So welcome back, everyone, to Artificially and Intelligent. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, William. How are you doing today? All good, all good. And this is, um, yeah, it's a good day to report, record a podcast. Yeah, it's rainy. You don't want, really want to step outside. So let's do some podcasts. Exactly, no, no outside recording here. <laughs> Perfect. Today, we are again a little bit more on the applied side. So we wanted to highlight another tool, which is Fast API, which is a web framework for building APIs. And an API basically is your endpoint and you can use it on top of everything. So whether it's an API that's serving your model, so basically a model as a service architecture, or whether it's an API to something entirely else, that's totally up to you. But to me, Fast API has quickly become my go-to library. There are a bunch of others out there like Flask and Django, which are more like the older versions of it, which were quite popular. And Django is like still a little bit more of the status quo for bigger companies. But Fast API is getting more and more attention from most people, especially because the ecosystem around it keeps growing. And it's also very usable. It's very fast. And it's easy to get started, but also very nice to extend and increase the performance of it. Maybe we can just go on a brief tangent here just to say, state what an API is for people who are just getting started or just might not know it. I mean, I this is not my domain here, but maybe you can just highlight what an API actually is and what it means. So basically an API is an endpoint. So think of it like it's basically connected to an URL like any website. But as opposed to showing your website, is it is returning values. So basically, you can give it inputs, and it's returning outputs. And most APIs are configured nowadays with JSON. So basically, you send some form of JSON to it, and you receive a JSON out of it. And what you're sending to it can be stuff like files, but it can also be just a string or a number then the endpoint is doing all the calculation, executing the code and returning a value in response. Okay. Yeah. And what about fast API? When, when did it start to grow and like, when did people realize it's the benefits of it and they started to use it? So I think I first heard about it two or three years ago before that I was mostly working with Flask and it became quite popular because it made it really easy to build an endpoint an API endpoint and if you're building an API endpoint basically you have different request methods so you're also always as a as a client in the end so the client can also be your front end for example you're sending a request and your request in the most cases is a get or a post request. And in the in the get request, basically you're requesting data. In the post request, you're sending some data, but you also can get some data back in return. And Fast API, it was it's built on top of Starlet, which is a framework for the web parts. I think it really got recognition once Pydantic was added to it. And Pydantic is a framework for data validation. So basically it allows you 
to give the inputs certain restrictions and this is type restrictions but you can also do more advanced validations so for example i could say one of the inputs of my endpoints has to be an integer but at the same time the integer has to be between one and ten and this is like just one example of how i could use that and okay yeah And what's like another like key feature of Fast API is actually the documentation. So for every time you deploy an endpoint, you Fast API automatically generates a documentation for you, which you can look at at the endpoint. So you basically have the URL of your endpoint, and then you just type as a path backslash docs, and then you can see the different endpoints you have to find, also the type of requests you have to send there. And you can also see the input data it requires. And you can directly test it just basically in a no-code fashion, which makes it quite nice to work with and to test. So how do you open up, like when you want to integrate it or when you want to work with it in, a let's say, an IDE or something like that, what is it like to spin up an example? How many lines of code in order to, you know, understand how the API actually works and what, you know, what are the kind of, yeah, normal setups when you, when you start from the get-go? So basically every time when you start to work with Fast API, you import the library and you define an app. So basically an app is your entire endpoint, which is managed and each app can have multiple endpoints and each endpoint is defined with a path. So in this path, for example, in AI use case can be something like predict and you can call the endpoint over that path. And, and the only thing you have to do is call your function like in regular Python and in the line before that you hit it with a decorator. And the decorator is always an add sign like in your email, and then you say add app and then dot, dot post for a post request or dot get for a get request. And that's basically, then you name your endpoint and that's basically all you have to do. And then Fast API takes care of all the rest. Is it used only for web development or can it be used for, you know, mobile app development? You talked about an app. Is it is it used anywhere for iOS development, Android, or is it mainly just for browser calls? So in the end, it's called an app. It's the it's made for backend, so you can use it for anything, whether it's a it's a web app or an iOS app. You just have to make the calls, and you always can call it from any front end you might configure. And what's the beauty about it? It's quite easy to set up. It's easy to start. And it doesn't have a lot of dependencies, so it's quite lightweight. Is it built mainly for Python? Can you use it for anything else? Or is it uh, just kind of Pythonic? In it's Pythonic. And that's the beauty of it, why it's so nice to work with, because it was purpose-built for Python. And to be really Pythonic and be in the style of Python, and that's, in my opinion, why it's so easy and so fast as well. And especially the developer ecosystem around it. You have Pydantic, for example, for type checking, but you also have Celery for if you want to use workers. So basically in an API at point, when I'm doing a post or a get request, you have the issue, 
you mostly work within a time limit. So if you deploy it to a server on Heroku, for example, you have 30 seconds for the request to be handled in, I think in Google cloud, you have up to five minutes, but if you have some longer running tasks, so for example, if your AI model takes a long time to process, you typically use workers and a worker is basically the API endpoint is called, it takes the data and it hands it off to a worker, which keeps on running in the background and executes your code. And for that, the fast API, for example, has the salary um, library, which is also really great to work with. And it also has its purpose built workers, which is background tasks, which is a little bit easier, but doesn't have so much, so many different tools yet available as salary. Maybe one more library to highlight is UVCorn. So typically if you deploy an endpoint, you have multiple workers or webs, how they're called in Heroku, which basically means how many instances of the, of the endpoints are running. And this is done usually with UVCorn, which configures your server, assigns it an address and a port and then configures the endpoint to it. So you can actually have the address and you can call it from your front end or wherever else you need it. Okay. So if the first API is Pythonic, it has all of these great services that can be included as you talked about Celery and uh, the other ones. Is, is it then mainly created for the sake of simplicity, but also for Python is used heavily for machine learning operations and everything around everything that around machine learning in general. So how do you use it with machine learning models and the AI? So typically the most common way to serve AI models nowadays is model as a service. And if we're talking about model as a service, you also have an endpoint, which you're calling with your input and you're getting your results back. And to serve it, you usually just wrap the function, which is doing the AI processing with, again, with the decorator, um, for fast API, just deploy to a server. And then basically it executes your machine learning code as well. And if, if you need like a GPU, this is typically handled by the, by AWS or by your configuration. What about uh, web GPUs? Can it integrate these? Because this is uh, something where the people want to use nowadays that you kind of launch your application just right in the web. web. What do you think? Have you, have you tried it out? I don't think so because web GPUs basically means that the code is directly executed on the device of the client. So you don't really need an API call because fast API is for executing code on a server in the backend. If you're using WebGPU, you typically execute the code directly on the client side, which means on the client's own desktop on its own GPU. I think it's more WASM, which is WebAssembly which is looking into integrating web GPU more deeply. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's also a very interesting area, but yeah, this is about fast API. Is there something else you want to highlight here? You talked about the speed of it, 
the ease of use, the, the documentation and so on. But is there something else you would want to highlight? Yeah, maybe the different input types you can use. Like one input type you can use is a query. And a query typically is what you see in the URL. So if you have a really long URL, most of the time you see some something like the the input equals and you have like a long string. And this is one of the input types you can send to an endpoint. But you also have, have the option to send a body. So a body most of the time is a payload you're sending from your front end, which is configured as a JSON. But also FastAVI has many different pre-built options like upload file, which automatically handles all the complexity of accepting and handling different input types. Especially the upload file is quite handy to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I, how, how would you say that one should get started with this if you're not really working with front end engineering in any Because, you know, I, I mainly work in the back end with the, the machine learning models themselves. And I rarely come across, you know, when I have to deploy them and make some sort of web interface. What do you think is a good way to get started with it? So first of all, the documentation is a great place because there are so many different examples which allow you to spin it up fairly quick. And also you can just run it locally and on localhost and can directly see all the different features. If you already dove a little bit into Docker, I would directly try to deploy it with Docker and make a Docker image and build it and try out Fast API in combination with that because that's quite fun and actually the correct way to deploy fast API endpoints most of the times. And I will just try to take one of the pieces of code you had to have at the moment. Maybe not one of them, which are really GPU heavy, but some stuff which can run on a CPU and try to deploy something like a basic regression, a classification algorithm, and just wrap it in a function, add the fast API to it and just deploy locally and try to call it and see whatever, whether it works and you can get it back. Well, there you go. Uh, just a simple machine learning function and a couple of lines of code and just see how it integrates with a nice Docker container and you can, you know, spin up an example locally and show how it works. I think, I think that's always a great place to start. And yeah, as, as little lines of code and a great documentation is, yeah, it's, really helpful uh, to really understand what goes on and you don't have to maybe get down to uh, yeah the C-level code uh, where you, yeah, that it's usually built on, basically. Yeah, especially I think the documentation does quite a good job to teaching like the web fundamentals, like client-server communication, how HTTP works, like what are get, post, put, delete requests in it integrates it very nicely in the general learning of the actual framework itself. Is there anything you can say to the security of this application or, or like about fast API in general, how it, uh, when you make these sort of calls or requests, what is it that it integrates in order to make it secure and the, so that the calls are protected in some way or another? So. For me, what I'm adding most of the time to my endpoints is an API key. And this is quite easy to do. So they have their pre-built functions like API key header, which you can add to it. So you actually just can call your API if you have your API key. And 
security-wise on the server, they are built on a more low level, but you, this is something since you're running on the server, not the biggest issue you need to worry about. It's rather the biggest issue is that people cannot access your endpoints without authentication. And that's like one way is the API key. Another way would be OAuth. So you can add uh, authentication to the endpoints as well, but they also have some nice, nice integrations. And for security-wise, they are basically built on top of OpenAPI, which is part of the Linux Foundation as well, which basically gives you different security schemas. One is the API key. Another one is uh, the standard HTTP authentication system. So basically mostly done with Bera plus a token. And the OAuth is the last one, basically, which gives you client credentials, authorization codes, and some additional stuff. And also the possibility to authenticate over Google, Facebook, Twitter, and stuff like that. Yeah. So there you have, like, all the different sort of measures that you can apply to this tool, basically. And as you said, it's always good to get started with some, you know, simple code example in order to really, I don't know, understand the fundamentals. And if the documentation is great, then you can read it concurrently. So um, that's, a, that's a great place to get started if you want to try it out. Yeah, and it's yeah. now my go-to tool deploying models. So always when I'm deploying a model on AWS, for example, I'm using FastAPI as the framework for the endpoints. Also, when I'm deploying a database, I'm using fast API for all the different operations I might want to do, like the updates, the gets, and stuff like that. So Sorry. what's your current application that you're working on? Um, so at the moment, I'm working on like another, the Vispera V3, deploying it. So I have deployed on SageMaker, for example, and this one is also wrapped in a fast API and points to actually call it with the audio file to do the transcription. Okay, nice. Well, yeah, there you go. People should look into FastAPI and see how see how it can be used, basically. But it's I also I would like to get more into the realm of, of front end and see how it can be applied because I have basically a lot of machine learning models in my stack, but at some point someone needs to access them through some interface, and then you know you need to need to know this sort of stack as well. That's the beauty of being like in federated learning. Most of the time, you don't really need an endpoint because it's running on device anyhow. Yeah, exactly. But you know, now when we were working on iOS development, you need some sort of uh, yeah interface where the user can interact uh, yeah. with the app itself. So yeah, that's cool. Nice. Okay, that's it for Fast API. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And we'll be back soon. Let's see. New topics, new week. And um, see you then. See you soon, buddy.